0: Welcome to Breakups, Broken Hearts, and moving on with Janice Formicella. I'm Janice Formicella, a breakup coach passionate about supporting others to learn from their breakups, overcome loneliness, love being single, and see the end of a relationship as the beginning of a magical, sexy new chapter in life. I am here each week to share with you the tools that I have learned through my own painful breakups, through hitting rock bottom more than once and through working with people all around the world to heal their broken hearts. If you are looking for hope and strength to move on from your breakup and resources to enjoy your new life, you are in the right place and I've got your back. Listeners, did you know that October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month? The day was first observed in nineteen eighty seven and became an initiative of the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. October became recognized by Congress in nineteen eighty nine as the official national month to A mourn those who have died because of domestic violence. B, celebrate those who survived, and C, connect those who work to end violence. Two years ago, I had the privilege to interview Ruth Glenn, the president of the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Ruth not only told her harrowing story of escaping gun violence at the hand of her partner and the father of her child but about the current state of intimate partner violence in America and what people can do to escape it themselves and what to do if someone you know is in an abusive relationship. Please go. you got, You got to scroll up a bit. <laughs> Check out episode 65. This is an issue near to my heart because I am a survivor of domestic violence. Today, I'm going to tell a small portion of my story about being in a physically and mentally violent relationship and what I learned from coming out on the other side. This episode does have a trigger warning for intimate partner violence. When I first started to recover from the relationship a number of years ago, I wanted to help others and thought I would become really active in various efforts to do so. But the shame I experienced and the fear that people wouldn't believe me got the best of me. When I started the podcast a while back, I did so with the intent of sharing my story so that those who have experienced violence or are experienced intimate partner violence would know that they aren't alone and they aren't the only one who was taken off guard by a toxic, abusive person. But again, I was held back for various reasons. I do want to use my platform to help others, whether it be recovering from a broken heart or recovering from abuse. I've decided that I don't need to make being a survivor part of my identity as a coach or a podcast host. But for now, that I will use October as an opportunity to kind of push myself to share a bit. Just writing this episode has filled me with a lot of courage. Becoming an advocate is a journey. It's not something that you just do immediately or overnight, and it doesn't look the same for everyone. This episode is part of my journey. Today, I'm going to share a bit about toxic people and abusive relationships, my story in a nutshell, and five lessons I learned as part of my recovery. So first of all, what does a toxic or abusive partner look like? I think it's important because multiple experts on the topic, from nonprofits to health organizations, do agree on a few things. According to Healthline.com, your relationship may be toxic if it's characterized by behaviors that make you feel unhappy, including disrespect, dishonesty, controlling behaviors, or a lack of support. The National Coalition Against Domestic Violence provides a pretty long list of behaviors that really have no black and white to them definitely listen to that. These are never behaviors that are okay. They must be considered red flags. I chose a short list of things from their website that I experienced in my abusive relationship. The list is quite long, so I just chose some that I really related to quite a bit. First, extreme jealousy, possessiveness, unpredictability, a bad temper, demeaning the victim either privately or publicly, embarrassment or humiliation of the victim in front of others, harassment of the victim at work, intimidating the victim with weapons like guns, knives, bats, or mace, stopping you from working, limiting the hours you can work, getting you fired, or forcing you to work certain types of jobs so now a bit about my story i fell into my abusive relationship in the way that a lot of people do but of course listen to this all stories are as unique as the people who tell them i was divorced about two years before i met this person the last two years of the marriage were very challenging And a lot of really sad things took place. Some of you may know that I had quite a journey with some very severe gaslighting, for instance. So once we actually separated, I was so ready to get back out there. (laughs) One of the reasons I ultimately became a breakup coach is that I really did well the first few months of the separation. I had some self-love practices, and I was so relieved to have this person away from me that I actually had a lot of joy in my heart, to be honest. I also worked with a coach, and that was a real game changer. I've had a lot of faith in the coaching process for many years now. And then the reality of my new life hit, and I found it very hard to make plans for my future. I moved around a couple of places. I had a hard time focusing, so I worked very small jobs and low paying jobs for a while. And I even almost got back with my ex-husband. That's a story in and of itself. It took about a year and a half of ups and downs, but ultimately I did learn what I wanted partially through working closely with the coach. And I started to rebuild my life and work on my copywriting business. I moved back to New York. I was actually really excited about the future. So, of course, on none other than New Year's Eve, right after moving back to New York City, I met the person who would go on to cause me a lot of misery in my life. He was a childhood friends with two of my best friends, and the four of us were all going out to see Moby that night. And besides this, I will also say that he was European, brilliant, absolutely gorgeous. (laughs) Seemed like a real catch. We hit it off right away. And then we spent the next week while he was in town visiting together and doing things and just having a blast. A few days in to this kind of fling, my best friend at the time, who was one of his um, actually high school friends, she actually came to me and sat me down and just pleaded with me to stop seeing him. She told me a lot of things things about him that I wish that I had taken to heart. But I really convinced myself that because he didn't even live in the country, it was just a holiday fling. And so there was no real harm in it. And I kind of brushed it off. We kind of had a bit of a conflict over it, actually. I really, really believed that it was just a holiday fling. We had no plans to hang out again. Um, I don't even think he had my phone number. Nothing. He left, and I just, I really thought that was going to be it. But as soon as he got back home to Europe, he called me on Skype, much to my surprise. He would then proceed to completely dominate my time from there on out. He would call me multiple times a day, constant DMs on Facebook, always wanted to know what I was doing. I would wake up to have long letters from him, poetry from him in my inbox or on Facebook. He wrote me love letters. And I think I was just so inexperienced that it was actually a bit exciting, if I'm perfectly honest. I was, yeah, like I said, young and naive. (laughs) And before I knew it, I was really over my head. And it was made worse by the fact that, like I said, I was enjoying some of the attention and the flattery. You know, I was only two years out of a divorce. And leaving an icky marriage can kind of mess with your head and make you make some poor decisions sometimes. <laughs> it was also made worse by the fact that a lot of my friends cheered me on. A lot of people thought that he seemed like a catch. A lot of people didn't end, actually end up spending time with him, but just knew that, you know, someone handsome was pursuing me. They didn't know a lot of the details. I kept a lot of it to myself. Only a month later, he came back to New York and he stayed with me. I would never do that again. <laughs> and I think he stayed for two weeks or so. It became very clear very quickly that I was in a very, very bad situation. Uh, I won't go into the details, um, but the abuse and his alcoholism were apparent from the first days of his visit. Once he got there, the extreme love bombing was taken to an in-person level including a very spur-of-the-minute, impromptu weekend trip to Vegas from New York City. I felt so caught up in the whole thing. It was really hard for me to see the reality of what a future with him would actually look like. Plus the fact that he was staying with me. I don't think my friends would have even wanted to put him up. It was just, like I said, I was overwhelmed and over my head. And of course, a few months later, I was on a plane with a couple of suitcases to move in with him in Europe. How exciting, right? Everybody except a couple of my friends certainly thought it was. I had a gorgeous promise ring and we were going to move into an apartment together. But listen to this and how quickly things can take a complete 180 when you're with an abuser. He had actually promised me originally that he would move to New York to be with me, but it didn't turn out that way for reasons that are now completely obvious. And of course that is because an abuser will magically isolate you from your support network before you even realize it's happening. Once I got there, The abuse directed toward me and his substance abuse were shocking. But now I was in another country building what I thought would be an exciting life with someone who loved me. Yes, it's confusing, but that's how I was rationalizing it. And also remember, I had very, very limited experience with what a healthy relationship looked like. My marriage was very problematic, especially the last few years. In many ways, I didn't know any better. And I still give myself grace for that. When we traveled back to America for him to meet my family, everyone, of course, fell in love with him. It was sadly one of the few times in my adult life when my family seemed happy for me or interested in me in really any way. And so Yeah, this messed with my head, and he was so good at impressing them. That didn't happen in my marriage. My husband and my immediate family just weren't close at all. And my immediate family, besides me, (laughs) are all very close to each other. And when I was married, they had wanted to get close with my husband, and it just didn't happen. It just didn't come together that way for several reasons. So they were really happy that my next partner was so into the family thing. For some reason, I think that this helped them relate to me better or differently. Certain types of physical abuse started during that trip. And I swore that I would end it with him. There was certain levels of physical abuse that I won't get into before we went. But this time it it became different. By this time, however, I was very entrenched in the cycle of abuse and I went back to him again and again. Then he had a death in the family and he went off the deep end and what would follow was the most terrifying, stressful, and sad year of my entire life. Eventually, the physical violence got to the point where the police got involved, and I was finally able to walk away for good. I was finally able to commit to myself that in this case, there would be no coming back from, from that. And of course, my life was pretty fucked by that point, and it would take me a while to get to the point I am now, but step by step, I did. And to anyone listening who feels devastated by a toxic person or an abusive relationship, I know that you can do it too. That is my story in a very, very small nutshell. Obviously, there are a lot of details and stories in there that I left out, but I'm not sure I will ever publicly speak about them. The point I want to get across is that I have been there and I have come out on the other side with so much self-love and passion for helping others. That is why I do this podcast. I now have lessons that I can see came from the experience, though, to be honest, I can't say that I would go through it again. But it has opened my eyes to the reality of dating, the reality of relationships, things about myself, and things to pay attention to as you get to know someone. I'm going to take a very quick commercial break, and then when I come back, I'm going to tell you about some of these lessons. Nothing shatters your life like a breakup, and the feeling of a broken heart is real. I know that it seems impossible right now, But there is hope and there are ways to heal. I would love to work with you one-on-one to heal your broken heart and put your breakup behind you. My personalized coaching programs are designed to pinpoint what will be most effective in helping you to move forward and make this breakup a part of your past. I believe in you. Message me at breakupspodcast at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram at breakupspodcast and let's connect about creating a magical plan of action to get this breakup in your rear view mirror. Welcome back. Thank you for listening to my sponsors. Let's get into the lessons I learned from being in an abusive relationship. First and foremost... Love bombing is a huge, huge, huge red flag. At the time of my relationship, though, love bombing was not part of, you know, like the vernacular, the way that it is now, not by a long shot. Some of you may know that the term love bombing was first coined in the 1970s as society was becoming interested in the danger that cults pose. This form of manipulation is commonly used by cults to groom and entice people into joining groups that will go on to demand a lot from its members. The term has, of course, since expanded to explain the behaviors of narcissists and abusers in gaining control over people. It's actually a very new concept when used in this way. In preparation for this episode, I did a fairly extensive search on Google Scholar, and of course, I could have dug deeper, but I was on there for a while, and I actually couldn't find any references to love bombing being used in this way in terms of romantic relationships until about 2015. WebMD defines love bombing as an emotional manipulation method that often points to the beginning of an unhealthy, toxic, or abusive relationship. Someone who uses this tactic usually does so to quickly gain the favor of a potential partner so that they can more quickly and easily control them. Those who love bomb, their potential partners, often display narcissistic traits. Please listen to me when I say this type of manipulation is really hard to fully recognize. It's partially because we are so used to seeing whirlwind relationships in the media. Extreme adoration or falling in love at first sight are portrayed as the ultimate way to start a relationship with someone. If you are being love-bombed by someone you have feelings for, can be exciting to get so much attention from them it can also be a slippery slope that causes you to commit to someone you don't know very well and to continue to ignore red flags while i have experienced love bombing since then i sure have not fallen into the same trap as i did back then and that is because i am aware of what it looks like and i'm able therefore to resist it Another lesson I learned is to pay attention to someone's past. This is a real tricky one, and it can have a lot of gray areas. I do admit that. I see that. I mean, I know that people can learn from their mistakes and that people can learn and grow. I don't think everyone does, but I know that it's possible. I do not believe that divorce or even necessarily a person's relationship history says everything or says a lot about how they will show up in future relationships. But when a person's past involves mistreating others and multiple stories of bad behavior, please have your guard up. I knew that this man had a string of very bad relationships one after another. And also recently the friend I mentioned earlier knew someone who had been the vi- the victim of his erratic behavior in the last year. But because of the love bombing, I convinced myself that this woman that she was referring to must have been a scorned lover or something. Please remember that this was many years ago. I would absolutely not default to that today. I default to believing women. At the time, I just couldn't see clearly. I was just inexperienced, young. And I heard multiple stories of extremely questionable behavior, and that is being generous on my part, told to me by my new boyfriend and others. I mean, he would even tell me things that I was pretty shocked by and that I hope today would send me running in the opposite direction. But the deeper I got into the relationship, the harder it was to think objectively. Today, I just take things super slow. I listen, I reflect, I choose my next steps carefully. I end things pretty quickly if it doesn't feel good. I am very curious about how people speak about their exes or about past negative experiences with others. Someone who has learned and grown from a conflict or any type of relationship will not speak with vitriol about it afterwards. They will not dwell on it when it comes up. They will speak about it with little emotion. They won't get worked up. I encourage you to also pay attention to this. Third, take into account what your friends say. Of course, there are exceptions to this rule, but I am here and typically on this podcast, I talk about the rules, not the exceptions. (laughs) It is typically good to listen to what your friends say about the new person you are dating. And I do make a point of differentiating this from what your family says. Abusive people are very good at playing things up in front of family members. When my family met my ex for the first time, I was bombarded by texts from him the next day about how great he was. And like I said earlier, this did cloud my judgment because, um, you know, no one in my family had ever before then or has ever since, by the way, texted me that much. So I was liking that attention as well. Friends are simply more objective when it comes to who you date. In some cases, they know you better or in different ways than your family does. And they've likely had the chance to see your partner in a more casual setting or heard from you maybe different things than what you tell your family. Hopefully, they have your best interest at heart. And that's not to say that families don't. I'm just saying the dynamic is different. As I mentioned, I had someone very close to me who I trusted very much plead with me to not mo- move forward in this relationship. Yes, I did have others who were cheering me on, but they had little contact with him compared to this person. Today, I would really, really think that what my friends say would cause me to slow down. Actually, I did have a recent experience with this. Uh, My friend Christine Lalonde, who some of you will have heard on this show and heard me referred to on this show, felt a certain way about someone I was involved with. And she let me know. And it did give me major pause. I know that she would never, ever do anything to hurt me. And that she probably wants me to be in a relationship more than I even do. (laughs) So when she speaks up, I definitely listen. Fourth, leaving an abusive relationship taught me not to move in together too fast. Do not give up your autonomy. I know how exciting it is to meet someone new, to fall in love, to enjoy the honeymoon period, and decide that you love being around this person so much that you need to move in together. I have lived with one of the romantic partners since leaving my abuser. And based on that experience as well, it would take me a lot to do it again. I'm not saying that I won't ever. It would just take a lot. It would take a long time and a lot of agreements on both of our sides about, you know, what happens if we break up, that type of thing. It is a huge red flag when someone pressures you to move in early in the relationship. This demand on this level of commitment so early is not only a red flag, but it should be a deal breaker. If someone wants to be with you, they will revel in the opportunity to get to know you, whether or not they have this level of access to you. They will love the fact that you have your own life and they will be curious about it. They will want to know what's going on when they're not around and they'll let you go and live your life. A healthy partner wants space and wants you to have the same. Pressure to mesh in this way should always be taken as a warning sign. I promise you, the more comfortable you are in your own space and doing your own thing and supporting each other to do the same, the better the relationship will be. As you can see, I'm very passionate about that one. (laughs) Another lesson, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. This is one of my favorite relationship quotes. And you know what? It's totally true in my experience. It was made mainstream by Maya Angelou, a person who had a lot of life experience Even in her old age, it was a lesson she wanted to share with others. Maya Angelou said, if you don't believe them, they will hit you with it again and again, and then hold it against you that you allowed it. This was absolutely true in my case. I remember the very first time my ex demanded that I stay on the phone with him as I walked to the subway. I remember the first time he judged me for being divorced. I remember the first time I saw him walking down the street drunk after I got off work and was going back to my apartment. Each would be a deal breaker for me today. I had no idea at the time that each of those things was a sign of his character and that it would behoove me to walk away from what I thought was a passionate relationship for. And you know what? Every time I swept the behavior under the table or forgave it, it escalated. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. The fact that I didn't believe him is no excuse in the world for how he treated me. I did not cause it. I'm just saying my knowledge of this concept has kept me from allowing other toxic people around me. Another lesson, demands on time. As I alluded to, my abuser was pretty controlling when it came to how much time in my day he expected me to give to him. I wouldn't even say pretty controlling. It would definitely have been or definitely was on the far, far, far end of the scale as far as what was normal. I was constantly stressed about making sure I answered his messages and calls soon enough. And it was, it was so hard to focus on my work. It was so hard to focus just on going out and being with my friends. The day before I left for Europe, I went out with a couple friends. He blew up my phone to the point that we just didn't even have fun. When I didn't answer him, he said he was going to cancel my airline tickets. He knew I was out with friends, didn't care. When you are stressed to this level, your nervous system is activated and not in a healthy way. It causes you to have a hard time regulating your emotions. It impacts your physical health. Nobody should ever, ever put pressure on you to give up something that is important to you for the sake of giving them attention. When you are away from someone they do not need to be in constant touch with you. They should be happy for you that you're living your life and focusing on that. If someone tries to use your boundaries about your time against you, it's time to walk away. That's what time it is. No one should ever have a desire for you to give up your autonomy. They should encourage it. My next lesson is that self-love and self-confidence have helped me Avoid toxic relationships. Let me make this very, very abundantly clear. People do not get targeted by abusers because they are quote, vulnerable. That is victim blaming. That is a bullshit myth that I hope will be thrown away. Oftentimes, narcissists and abusers target the strongest, most magnetic people around them because they get off on the ego boost. I was not vulnerable or weak when I met my abuser. I was popular. I was excited about life. I was inexperienced in the ways of the world. I will say that. I had been raised in a very insular Mormon community, I just didn't know what healthy partnerships look like. After I left this guy, someone very close to me told me if I hadn't been vulnerable, the abuse would never have happened and that he targeted me because I was vulnerable. I called bullshit on it the minute they said it, and I still do today. Abusers are sly, sleek, calculated people who ease their way into your life in ways that seem normal, and sweet at first. It is so easy to find yourself shocked and confused by their first act of abuse, but feeling connected and attached before you even know what's going on, and therefore not wanting to walk away, convincing yourself that they had a reason for it. Some of the most educated, intelligent, and quote, unquote, high value people I have known have fallen victim to abusive assholes. In fact, when the abusive person has narcissistic traits, as many do, maybe all, they will often go for the most desirable people, as I said earlier, because they want to build themselves up and make themselves look better. Although I was confident and I did love myself, before I was torn down by this person, I have allowed what I have learned and recovering from it to make me stronger and proud of myself. What I did do was fuse everything I learned from this experience with an ever-growing conscious relationship with myself to get to the point where I am simply more intentional about who I allow in my life. I have compassion with myself, and I have used this compassion and turned it into self-love. And you know what? I am pretty picky about who I spend time with, and I'm more aware of you know any sign that something doesn't feel good, whether it comes to romance or friendships. I mean, ask any of my close friends. They'll say I am very discerning. And I'm not saying that I may not necessarily make mistakes or even that I haven't made any mistakes since then. I've actually experienced love bombing multiple times since leaving this relationship. I just haven't allowed myself to fall under the spell of it. But you know what? I'm human. So who knows? The last lesson that I learned is that I am strong. Having recovered from a messy divorce, I kind of already knew that I was strong, but I had no idea what I was going to eventually encounter and how fucking terrifying it would be. I had no idea that I would then go through the recovery almost all on my own. And you know what? I was so worn down by the relationship, and by the way I was treated by those around me, that for a while, I was pretty broken. I was glad to be out of the relationship, for sure, but I just could not see how I was ever going to pick myself up and what the future could possibly look like. I moved to Australia about four months later, partially because I was feeling so lost, I was feeling so unsupported, And I will proudly say that I picked myself up and healed. However, from being raised the way I was to the marriage to the abuse, I wasn't fully knowledgeable about how to be self sufficient. Ultimately, I had an opportunity that I thought would allow me to stay in Australia long term. As some of you know, if you've listened a while, it turned out to be anything but an opportunity. And while it broke me down a bit all over again, this time I got out of that situation much quicker than I did before. This time I was ready to recover on my own. When I left my abuser, I was not ready for that. This time I was. And this is now what my coaching programs are all about. Helping people discover the power that they have within. If you have been listening for a while you may also know that I've been through breakups since then, and they did not break me. This is because I know what I can overcome, and I know the pain from my breakup is temporary. And if you do certain things, the pain can be fairly short-lived. If you have gone through an abusive relationship, or you are currently in one or recovering from one, you are not obligated to list your lessons the way that I have. Just get out. You do owe it to yourself to heal and do the work to not ever let it happen again. What I do hope is that you can take some of what I learned and what I shared today to extract hope and to gain your own sense of strength to come out stronger and more resilient i have faith in you i also want you to know that there is nothing that you can do there's nothing that you have done to make someone treat you poorly or abuse you what happened was not your fault no matter what anyone says i hope that you will take that to heart what did you think of today's episode you are welcome to let me know via dm on instagram All of my info is in the show notes. I really love hearing from listeners. You can send me an email as well. That's in there. I would love to hear from you. And of course, the information about scheduling a chat about my one-on-one support is also there. I obviously have a lot of experience with various types of breakups. I've been coaching people for a while now. I would love to support you. And if you would like to recognize Domestic Violence Awareness Month, maybe you can just share this this episode on your social media channels and remind people that that's what we're doing this month, celebrating survivors, connecting people, remembering those who aren't with us anymore. That would mean a lot to me as well. And with that, I am sending you so much strength for the week ahead. You got this. Thank you for listening to Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On with Janice Formichella. I sincerely hope that you found today's episode inspirational or useful. I would love to support you on your healing journey. All you have to do is send me a message on Instagram at breakupspodcast or email me at breakupspodcast at gmail.com and I will be in touch to get you started. Remember... If you are struggling with a broken heart, your feelings are temporary. I am sending you so much love and luck for the week ahead. You've got this.